Well, we were, uh, as we were praying as a worship team this morning, we just, it, there was just a sense that God wanted to just break through this morning and do something. So I, be, I believe that was, uh, that was a good part of it right there. <clears throat> that was a good part of it. Thank you, Jesus. We're going we're gonna to go into, into the Word here for just a few minutes. If you want to turn to Isaiah 61, Isaiah chapter 61, if you're a guest with us, we have been in Isaiah 61 for quite a number of weeks now. This is message number 11 uh, in a series called the Spirit of the Lord. And we've been just going verse by verse through Isaiah 61, seeing the, the richness of what's in there. Of course, Jesus, when he was on earth uh, in Luke chapter 4, fulfilled this scripture. And then when Jesus left, he kind of commissioned us to carry out his ministry. So this was the ministry of Jesus, which Jesus passed on to his children, the, the people of God, and said, hey, guess what? You're, I'm not in the world, but you're going to go in the world. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Now, guess what? You're the light of the world. I'm leaving. It's going to be you, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the same spirit that came upon Jesus comes upon us in power, with his anointing, with his strength, with his with his wisdom, with his gifts. And so we've been walking through the scriptures here. And so we're going to look at just a couple of verses today. Uh, and you heard that right. A couple of verses uh, those of us who are regulars here know that we've been going almost line by line, but today I think we're going to almost get through two verses. So let's read Isaiah 61. Since there's so many of you uh, who are just here today, I know there's several guests. I'm going to read starting at verse 1. Uh, it's not going to be on the screen, so you're going to have to open your Bible to Isaiah 61. Uh, it's not going to be all be on the screen for you. So it says this, the Spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that had been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of the nations. And in their riches you will boast. We're going to stop there. We're going to be on verses 5 and 6. Last week we looked at verse 4. Talked about God restoring and rebuilding and renewing. That he takes what was ruined and he wants to make it like new again. And he also wants to touch our city. You know, last Sunday night we had a leadership meeting and we had a real powerful move of the Holy Spirit, I believe, because he was stirring our hearts for the people in our city. To be reminded that, that we live here for a reason. 
And I know those of you who heard this message last week, you know, you're like, I, I heard this. But, but God, God is calling out to us. God is saying something to us about loving our city, loving the people in this city, that we, we have a great harvest coming in, that Midland is not being destroyed by all the new people that aren't like us or aren't like Midland. No, God is sending them to you so that you can pour out the love that you've received. That's why we've got to receive the love of God like we were talking about today. Uh, you know that old song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know? It's got a fatal error in it. Got your attention. <laughs> because if you only know the love of God because the Bible tells me so, you don't know the love of God. If it's just on a page... If it's only because I just believe it because it says it, then you haven't experienced the love of God. But God is God is everything that God says in his word is meant to be realized in our lives. It's not like just something we know in our head like, yeah, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. No, I've experienced his resurrection power. It doesn't happen by going to church your whole life. My wife, when she gave her testimony this morning, she'd been in church her whole life. She'd been saved since she was seven. She'd been filled with the Holy Spirit since she was seven. She'd had a great life. She'd had a great interaction and relationship with God. I mean, she's got, from high school, she's got pages of stuff where she just writes down what God is speaking to her. I mean, she's had a relationship with God her whole life, but there was a, a point in, in time where she experienced the love of God in a greater measure. And if that hasn't happened for you yet then keep seeking Him. Keep allowing Him to remove all the barriers. There's no barrier with Him. He's already torn down all the barriers. There are, Jesus took care of all that. Jesus said, I'm tearing down everything that would stop you from getting to me. I've already taken care of it. When He died on the cross and when He rose from the dead, every barrier that would separate us from God was destroyed. It's like a, it was wide open. The way straight into the presence of God. And God wants us to encounter Him so that when we, when we touch other people's lives, we don't pour on them religion. We don't pour on them just some thing I'm repeating that I learned in my head. No, I'm pouring on them the very love of God. It's supernatural. You can't work it up. You can't sing it up. You can't exercise it up, you can only receive it from heaven. You can only get it from Jesus. It's not going to come from anywhere else. It doesn't come from religion. It doesn't even come from memorizing the Bible, knowing all the right scriptures. No, it comes from Jesus himself. It says Jesus pours out the, the Holy Spirit in our hearts. He pours the love of God out, out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. In the book of Romans. To love your city. If you're not from Midland, love your city. Wherever you're from, love your city. Love the people in the city. For too long the church has, has been all talk without love. It's time we would shut up for a while and be loved. And then somebody says, hey, can you tell me something? Make somebody beg us to hear the truth because it's so real, so real in our lives. Tell me about this love. 
I'm not there yet, for sure. So if you're not there, then join me in getting closer to Jesus. So it happens. Because God wants to renew the ruined cities. He wants to take away things that have been wrong in in the city of Midland for generations. It says things that have been devastated for generations. There, There are things that have been wrong in Midland for years and years and years and years and decades and decades and decades. And God's God doesn't want it to stay that way. He has a he has a he has a better future for this city. Everything that's ruined, God is going to turn it around. It says, I think it's in the book of Zechariah, that when God restores, it's like it's like it was never there was never anything wrong with it. Total restoration. So let's look at verses five and six here. Five and six, some encouragement. And some challenge today. It says, Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations. And in their riches, you will boast. I want us to look first at verse 5. And it's going to be really quick. <laughs> this is going to be the quickest verse we do in Isaiah 61. We're going to do it in like just a couple minutes here maybe. Really, what this is saying is like, what does this mean? If you just read this verse here, strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. Here's the deal. In this time, what was the source of life for everybody? It was the fields, the flocks, and the vineyards. So basically what you have going on there is symbolic of provision for life. In other words, when it says, hey, foreigners or strangers are going to come in, in other words... Everything is going to be taken care of. Everything you need is going to be taken care of. You can trust that you will have everything that you need for life. And some of us need to know that from God today, that He is saying to us, you can trust in my provision. You can trust me. You can trust me to provide everything you need. You know, some of us are fretting over... This or that, or how's this going to happen? What's, what's going to go on with this? How is, I can't even see how this is going to happen. And God here, right, this scripture, he's saying right here, look, it's going to all be taken care of. You're not even going to have to work for it. That's why it says, look, the strangers are going to take, in other words, it's not trying to say anything about that. It's saying, hey, look, you're not going to have to do all that work. All of it's going to be provided for you. Some of us, because we've been so burned by people, that we've been, we've been so burned by people. I mean, you can't live this life without being burned by somebody and probably somebody close to you. You know, they said they would do something, they didn't. They did not come through. And you had to, you had to pick up the slack. You had to take care of it yourself. You had to provide for yourself. And see, what happens is we get stuck in that mode and we, we, we transfer that kind of relationship with, with the Lord. And we're waiting on Him to not come through. It's like, you know, we're not fully, we're not all in. You know, you're not all in because, you know, what if? What if He doesn't come through? 
And, it, you know, and Jesus is saying, no, no, I, I'm faithful. I'm, I'm going to take care of this. That's why there's the testimony of the Lord. There's the testimony all through the scriptures. Here's what God did. Here's what God did. Here's what God did. Here's what God did. And then God, he, you get saved. You give your heart to Jesus. And he starts working in your life so that you can look back on all that he's done and know, hey, he's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Some of us need to have that screen that's up of that little bit of protection that says, just in case God doesn't come through, I'm going to take care of it. And all you're doing when we do that, all of us have done it, let's, let's be honest, but all we're doing when we do that is we're robbing ourselves of provision. We are robbing ourselves of peace. We are robbing ourselves of strength. We are taking care of something that God has said, I'm going to take care of for you. You know, there's something I, we, we went to our men's retreat this year in uh, May, and our speaker was Pastor Jared Duggar. He's the pastor of Fresh Fire Fellowship, the, one of the four square churches in Lubbock. And he said something that I'd never heard. I love it when you're somewhere, and you know, when you've been in church your whole life, you know, there's not every week that you hear something like, where you go, I've never heard that before. You're like, most of the time I'm like, yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> but I was like, here's something I'd never heard anybody say. And it's one of those things that is kind of the opposite has kind of been taught. And it's this. Uh, you know that phrase where it says, hey, you're, you're the man. You're supposed to provide for your family. You provide, you're a man. You provide for your family. Negative. <laughs> Negative. You're not the provider. God is your provider. You have transferred yourself into a place of God when you say, I am the one that provides for my family. No, He is the one that provides for my family. And Pastor Jared said that. I was like, I've never heard that before. You've always heard the way. It doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you don't work. It doesn't mean you say, hallelujah, I don't have to work. I hate my job. Thank you, Jesus. All the men are like, hallelujah. No, 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 no. No, that's... <laughs> No, no, no. That's not what it's saying, but it's saying, look, it's not up to you. Don't treat your life like your provision is up to you. Live your life like someone else has already taken care of everything. Gives you a lot of freedom, a lot of peace, a lot of less anxiety. You know, if there's changes going on at your job, they're like, hey, they're going to start laying people off. They're going to, they're going to, you know, you're on the chopping block, man. You were the last one hired. <laughs> You know, I mean, you know, you, you hear the rumors, you know, I know we're not in a cutting time right now. It's a boom time, but at some point it's not going to be a boom. Hello. Let's, let's, let's realize that at some point there's going to be a time where you might hear those rumors. And here's the deal. When you know that God's your provider, that doesn't have to get inside your heart. It doesn't have to control your emotions. It doesn't have to be something that consumes your mind. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? No. What, how is God going to come through this time? What's he going to do? That was a little bit longer than a couple minutes, but you know, that was verse 5. Verse 6 says this, you'll be called priests of the Lord. You'll be named ministers of our God and you'll feed on the wealth of the nations. And so it, it's interesting here. Uh, we got we to gotta read this scripture from the Old Testament view. When Isaiah was saying this, and he's like prophesying, you'll be priests. Everybody wasn't a priest. 
Okay, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, the Old Agreement with God, the way things were done, there was only certain people that could be priests. And here's the deal. You were born into it. You couldn't study. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't work your way up to it. Like, either you were or you weren't. You were totally born into it. The requirement, there were, there were lots of qualifications for priestly service. Number one, this is, this is all the Old Testament, okay? So we're going to look at this a little bit and then, then look at it from the New, New Testament viewpoint. Uh, only men. Only men. You must be a descendant of Aaron from the tribe of, you know, the, the Levite tribe. You must be a descendant of Aaron. It was age-restrictive. Only between the ages of 30 and 50. Everybody over 50 right now, listen to me. Once you were done, you didn't do nothing. That was it. You're not useful anymore. You can't serve as a priest anymore. You're too old. Anybody under 30? Sorry, you're too young. You can't serve as a priest in the Old Covenant. You got it. It's between 30 and 50. You must, be, you must be, have no defects in your physical body. Anybody who had any kind of deformity in their body, you're out. You couldn't have any skin disease, no leprosy, you no know, anything that would make you unclean. You must have an untrimmed beard <laughs> with well-trimmed but unshaved hair. I mean, it's pretty specific here. I know I'm getting specific. You're like, wow. You must be properly dressed. <laughs> Look around. What kind of church is this? We've been, we've been freed from this. Hey, think about all this. All this is gone. That's the, that's the good news. So all these qualifications, basically there were several qualifications. It was related to your birth, related to your age, related to your gender, and related to your purity. And if you didn't meet those requirements, you could not serve as a priest. And what did the priest do? The priests were the ones who taught the people. They served as judges in controversies. They offered the sacrifices in the temple. They assessed whether someone was impure or pure. They burned incense. They blessed the people. They blessed God. They kept the tabernacle. They took care of the altar and all the lamps and all the different stuff that was going on in, inside the temple. They prepared the holy things when they were out in the wilderness for the journey. They, they, kept the, they continued the sacred fire. They kept the fire burning, so to speak, over and over again, all day, 24-7. And they blew the trumpets. And then one of them served as the high priest. And once a year, that high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and offer the, on the Day of Atonement and offer the sacrifice for the sins for the whole nation. But here in Isaiah 61, it says, hey, look, you're, 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 you're going to be priests. So for, the, for them at that time to hear, it's like, no, you, you can't, I can't, I can't get there. I wasn't born to the right family. I'm not the right age. I've got issues. You also had to have a proper marriage. You weren't married to certain people. You weren't married to all kinds of different situations that, that would make you not have a proper marriage. And so all this stuff, all these things would be going on in people's heads and say, hey, they were that I, I can't be a priest, I can't be a priest. But it's interesting, in the New Testament, it's very clear that the idea that Isaiah was saying here was a picture of what, what, what God wanted to happen in the New Covenant. In the new agreement with God, after Jesus comes, it's the New Covenant, and there's, guess what? When there's a, 
when there's a, a change of the covenant, there's a, there's a new high priest. And Jesus, in the book of Hebrews, it says all over, hey, look, he, he is now our high priest. So what does that make us? Can everybody be a priest or not in the new covenant? Well, let's look at some scriptures. 1 Peter in 2.9. Guy, 1 Peter 2.9 says this. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Guess what? Right here, with Jesus, everything changed. Now, guess what? Everybody's a priest. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm supposed to wear a collar? Uh, does that mean I'm, you know, does that mean I'm supposed to work in a temple? No, it doesn't mean that. It means all the things that are in the new covenant, you get to be a part of, that nobody is left out. Let's look at a couple more scriptures here, just so you get it. it it's in several in Revelation 1 and verse 6. It says this, and he has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to Him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Revelation 5.10 says this. This is the picture where they're seeing heaven and they're declaring a new song. And it says, You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Revelation 20, verse 6. This is almost at the end of the Bible. When everything is done, Jesus has come back. The devil's been put away uh, for a thousand years. And it says, Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with Him for a thousand years. And so here's the deal. You have been, you now have a new birth. When you become a follower of Jesus, it says what? You are born again. So the right to become a priest in the new covenant is the same as the old covenant in one way. It's birth. You are born from above. It says you are born as a child of God. Once you do that, you're now a priest. What is a, what is a priest's main duties? Was number one was to minister to the Lord. That was one. There's, there's two, two main things. Number one is ministering to the Lord. Right now, one of the most important things we can do is love on Jesus. Worship Jesus. Pour our lives out on Jesus. We can minister under God. Are you ministering to God? Is it just on Sundays? Because here's the deal. It says they kept the fire burning 24-7. To me, there are some pictures in the Old Testament that are a wonderful picture for our life in the New Testament. One of them, it says that the priest kept the fire burning. They, they tended to the fire that was in the temple. They made sure it didn't go out, or they were supposed to. There's times where it shows they didn't. But here's the deal. They, they, they kept it going. So here's the deal. We tend the fire of our relationship with God. We have to stay in communion with Him. I have to get with Jesus every single day. I, I can't go a day. It's not like, well, I just, you know, I take Monday off. You know, or I take, you know, Thursday. Thursday is my free day. <laughs> I'm just going to not worry about any of that. I'm just going to wake up and go through life. It's like, no, no, no. You, you, you have this privilege. I mean, 
Here's the deal. All the people of Israel in the Old Testament, like being a priest was like a pretty cool deal. It was like, that's like the special calling right here. It's like everybody, there's the priest and then everybody else. Now we've, we have wrongly put this view into the church now in our days, right? We think that I am more special than you. We think there's something special about the pastor or the guy who preaches or the one who is called to ministry, you know that word ministry? It says that, you know, you're going to be, what does it say? You will be named ministers of our God. Here's the deal. It's the dumbest thing ever, one of the dumbest things ever, that they call pastors ministers. Because it's totally unscriptural. Because every single child of God is a minister. There's not some, you know... This, you know, we even call it the ministerial alliance when we meet together as pastors. We've got, we've, you know, in the church, we've got a lot of the Old Testament still hanging around in the church in the New Testament, and it's not the way God intended it. He says, look, the old is gone and the new has come. Like, don't, don't just have a few special people that are in connection with God, and then they help you connect with God. That's not the way it's supposed to be. No, you are the one that's connected with God. You are the one that's connected with Him. You get to minister straight to God. You can pour out your love straight on him you can offer up whatever you want to him it's you you can go right in you're right to father god himself right to the throne of god and it says he's made us totally clean all our impurities all our defects man anybody got some spiritual defects i was born with some spiritual defects i've still got some things and and god says no jesus says look i'm covering all that you're totally pure before me you are totally clean It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter how how you've treated your body, what you put in it, what you've done with it. You, in Jesus Christ, are totally pure and totally clean. You didn't have to make yourself clean like they did in the Old Testament. He has made you clean so that you can enter in, so that you can... Live without fear or without shame or without anxiety. You can go and not run from God. I can just live in communion with Him. It's what we were created for. To be in relationship with God. To minister unto Him. I mean, there's something special about just you and God. If you don't have the you and Jesus time, I I just really encourage you, find time to have you and Him. Find time to have you and him. I mean, it's it's not a don't make it a duty. Don't make it a duty. You might need some discipline. Sometimes we discipline ourselves. Sometimes, you know, like in our relationships. Look, I love my wife all the time. Do I like my wife all the time? (laughs) That's for me to know and you to find out. (laughs) Let's be honest. We don't like our spouses all the time. You probably don't either. She probably doesn't like me, like 76% of the time. I don't know, maybe 50. I hope I just get to 51. But here's the deal. Where are we going with this? Don't know. John, tag. <laughs> it's a tag team sermon. John's going to take over. Just say something good, man. Um, but here's the deal. Sometimes, here's the deal. We're, we're in, I'm in love with Ashley. I'm still in love with her. 
And she knows that. We're not just playing church here and but, well, I'm just saying what you what you want us to hear. Come on, no, I, I love her. But we still have to plan time where we can just get away with ourselves. Part of it's kids, part of it's life, part of it's this or that. We we have to schedule. So just because you make a schedule doesn't mean it's not love. Now, I can treat it as a duty. If my wife says, we have to go out this week, and I go, all right, well, I'm just going to do it because I have to. That's, that's duty right there. When you just do something because you have to, your heart is not in it. But discipline is this. You can schedule it and you want it. It's something in your heart that you desire. It's something that you say, I do want this. But I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to be intentional and discipline myself and schedule time where I can spend time with my love. It's the same with Jesus. It doesn't mean that, you know, oh, it's just going to happen. It's just going to happen magically because I'm so in love. Okay, look, that only happens, I mean, that happens the first year of marriage, and that happens, you know, when you first come to Jesus, that happens a lot. But here's the deal. Sometimes you just have to schedule time in because of life. It doesn't, make, it doesn't mean that, that passion is not there. It doesn't mean that love is not there. And in, we, get to, we need to schedule in time where I'm ministering to God. In other words, God, isn't that amazing that God even says you can minister to me? What it, you know what minister means? Minister just means serve and take care of stuff. You ever hear the term, you know, like there's the minister of defense, there's the minister of this in, in, in nations and different stuff? You know, it doesn't mean they're not preachers. They're not like spiritual people. It just means they take care of all the stuff related to that category. And the minister of defense, he's in charge of the defense uh, department and all the stuff that goes on in that. I know nothing about that, so I won't go too far in that. But just they take care of everything that needs to happen. And so what it means to, when we minister unto God is just we're serving him. We're just, we're just offering up to him. Whatever, whatever he would desire. And what does God desire? Our hearts. He said he doesn't want our works. He's not asking us to, to say, okay, I want you to perform. I need you to do the right thing. And then you can come in. No, that's, that's old covenant. You've got, to have, you've got to have a new covenant view, a new testament view, which is this, where Jesus did everything and I get the privilege of joining in, ministering unto God, and worshiping Him, and serving Him, and loving Him, and pouring out my heart onto Him each and every day. I'm a priest of God. I've been called out of darkness. What does it say? Into His wonderful life that I might declare the praises of Him who called me out of that darkness into His wonderful light. So here's the set. But the second thing that priests do is this, is they, they interceded with God for the people. And I believe there is still a calling on us to pray for other people. What does it mean to intercede? It means you stand in their place. It means, you know, they're not praying for themselves, but I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for this other person. I'm going to intercede for them. I'm going to stand in their place before God and say, God, do something in their life. God, do this in their life. Lord, touch their heart. Open their eyes. Lord, meet their needs. They're not praying, but I'm praying for them. That's what it means to stand in. It says that Jesus, in Hebrews 9.24, Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. That right now, that Jesus is praying for every single one of us, 24-7 a day, Jesus is praying for you. That's one of the reasons we can have confidence before God. Guess what? Jesus is already praying everything for me before I even get to the Father. He's already taking care of everything, and so He invites me into what His 
ministry, his service is to say, hey, let's, let's bless these other people, man. You see that person I put in your life? Man, I want you to intercede for them. I want you to pray for them. I want you to declare things over their lives. I want you to talk to God. They're not talking to me right now, but you can talk in their place so that I can begin to move in their lives, so that I can begin to, to work in them. I will begin to do the things that you say. Priests minister to the Lord and they intercede for people. It's who we're all called to be. We're all ministers, as I said before. If you can, don't ever call a pastor or a leader in a church. Don't ever say they're a minister again. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not biblical. And I know, I'm, I know I'm like stomping on my own little box here maybe or something, but uh, here's the deal. The terms we use are important sometimes. And we use them so much like this. We say, let's go to church. And so now we've reduced church to a Sunday meeting. And that's what, it's not working. Hello, look at our nation. It's not working. Something has to change. To where I become the priest, I become I am now, what does it say? I'm now the temple. I'm now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So there's not a, it's, there's not a place thing with God anymore. It's a people thing. Amen. It's no longer about place. It's about the presence of God being upon certain people who are filled with the Spirit where they've sent to heal the brokenhearted, to set free those who are captives, to deliver from darkness, to open blind eyes. All those things are going to happen because now it's not about place. It's not about getting to one location. If I can just get them to church... No, it, Jesus is saying, if I can just get you to them. <laughs> if they join the fellowship, if they worship together, that's wonderful. That can be encouraging, that can be challenging, that can, that can, that can equip you and empower you, but it's not meant to be the church. The church is meant to be the relationship of people with God and with others so that more people are brought in. That's what the church looks like. We minister to God and we intercede for other people. And we love them. We pour out the love that God has given to us. We pass on everything that He has given that we've received. We, we pass it on to others. So if you've never thought of yourself as a, as a minister, just go ahead and commission yourself. I am a minister of Jesus Christ. Every single one of you is commissioned to be a minister of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand. That's, I'm going to close here. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to just lay hands on yourself. <laughs> put, put your hand somewhere on yourself. And I want you to declare this right now, if you're willing. But you should, you should. You can say, I am a minister of Jesus Christ. I am an anointed child of God. I am a priest of the Lord Most High. I have been set apart for His purposes. I will love with the love He's loved me with. I will follow Him all my, days, all my days, and I will pray for others, pray for others 
that they might experience this same love that has changed my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, we're, we're done. If you need prayer for something,